0: Good morning, everyone. Good morning. That was good for 9.30 in the morning. That was really good. I um, am Carrie Gleason, as John Mitchell said. I I get the privilege of working with our students in student ministries, and I love our students. They are good people. I had a junior in high school text me last night before the 5 o'clock service just to tell me she was praying for me as I was about to get up and speak. Those are the people that our students are. Um, but we are in this series on asking questions, and they're questions that you wrote in and you asked us, and they're questions that we as a staff get to wrestle with. And um, when I was little, I was that annoying question asker, um, and so I love this. Every single time my parents would say, we're going to go do this, I would say, why? <laughs> we're going to go to Target, Why? Because we need things, Carrie. Why? Because we ran out of things. Why? That question constantly followed me as I was a child. Um, My parents finally just stopped listening to me along the way, which is fine. Um, But we get to tackle the question this morning, is God really good? So let's pray as we dive in. God, we pray that you would meet us here. We pray that you would show us a little bit more of your character so we can understand a little bit more of how you ask us to live and how you ask us to follow you. We pray, Father, that um, your voice would be the loudest one in the room. In your name we pray. Amen. So in this, is God really good? How it struck me was, is he really good to me? Is he really good for me? On a personal level, down to the very bottom of my soul, do I believe that God is good all the time? Do I believe that all the time God is good? And do I rest in that? Do I live in that? Uh, when I was growing up, I have a mom and a dad and a little sister, though she's not so little anymore. Um, we had a golden retriever. Uh, we lived in a nice white house in the suburbs. We had a minivan. Uh, our lives looked very normal, quote unquote "normal." Our lives looked safe. They looked secure. It looked plentiful. It was It was good until um, I turned about 13 and from ages 13 through 23 24 years old, that nice picture was just on the outside. It was just what people saw because between the ages of 13 and 22, my family suffered this decade-long time of A lot of questioning and sorrow and despair. My grandparents, I had three grandparents Uh, growing up. My mom's father passed away before I was born. Three grandparents. And between 13 and 14 years old, all three of my grandparents died. Two of them unexpectedly. Also, during high school, my sister's best friend uh, passed away unexpectedly. My parents' marriage was in shambles. My dad had lost his business. There was so much going on. And I can remember being a junior or a senior in high school. I had gone through commitment class here and accepted Christ in commitment class here. Um, and so I was trying to figure out what it looks like to follow Jesus and what it looks like to trust him. But I remember one night standing out on our front porch and yelling at God. I said, if you are good, if you're here, if you truly are who you say you are, you are not doing a very good job." I was semi-audacious as a child. Um, But I remember having those feelings that this can't be how it's supposed to be. I can't be asking you for things in prayer and then having the exact opposite happen. I can't be asking you to help my family And then for having to have something else go wrong. How do you see God's goodness? Do you see God as this aloof or angry God? Do you see Him as a personal God, but maybe not always as personal as maybe you need Him to be? Do you trust in His goodness no matter what? I think that our perspective of God's goodness falls in two different categories. One, that we view God as, and his goodness as transactional, or we view it as transformational. And when we view God's goodness as transactional, we think, if God is good, then. If God is good, then my husband will find a job. If God is good, then my friend won't have cancer. If God is good, I will get into the school that I want to get into. I will make the team that I want to make. If God is good, then. When we look at God's goodness from a transactional perspective, God's goodness is based on my circumstance, God's goodness is based on my behavior. God's goodness is based on something that he is withholding from me that he owes me. Our tendency to view God's goodness as a transaction started a long time ago in a garden with a woman. We are going to read from Genesis 3 this morning, and I'm going to read out of the voice. Of all the wild creatures the eternal God had created, the serpent was the craftiest. The serpent said to the woman, Is it true that God has forbidden you to eat fruits from the tree in the garden? And Eve said, No, serpent. God said that we are free to eat the fruits from the trees in the garden. We are granted access to any variety and all amounts of fruit, with one exception. The fruit from the tree found in the center of the garden. God instructed us not to eat or touch of that fruit, or we would die. And the serpent said, die? No. No. You won't die. God is playing games with you. The truth is that God knows the day you eat the fruit from the tree, you will awaken something powerful in you and become like him, possessing knowledge of both good and evil. The woman approached the tree, eyed its fruit, and covered it, coveted its mouth-watering, wisdom-granting beauty. She plucked a a fruit from the tree and ate. She then offered the fruit to her husband, who was close by, and he ate it as well. Suddenly, their eyes were opened to a reality previously unknown. For the first time, they sensed their vulnerability and rushed to hide their naked bodies, stitching fig leaves into crude loincloths. Then they heard the sound of the eternal God walking in the cool misting shadows of the garden. The man and his wife took cover among the trees and hid from the eternal God. Satan says to the woman, "He's holding out on you. You know that he has something better for you. Why don't you follow me? Why don't you believe me? He's not giving you what you deserve." And in that moment, Eve chose to believe. Eve chose to say, yeah, he is holding out on me. There is more that he's not giving me, and I want it. And in that moment, God's goodness was linked to a transaction. And Satan doesn't stop there. All throughout scripture, you can see him Eyeing and attacking people and tempting them, and then those people choosing to believe him, to follow him, to view God's goodness as a transaction, to view God's goodness as something that they were owed. In the book of Ruth, we hear Naomi coming back from a, uh, uh, living in a foreign land. She had lost her husband, she had lost her children. She had lost all of her possessions. And upon returning to her homeland, she says, Do not call me Naomi. Call me Mara. Because the Almighty has made my life very bitter. I went away full. But the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi? The Lord has afflicted me. The Almighty has brought misfortune upon me. He's held out on me. He's done this to me. And Satan continues, and Elijah falls. And all the way to Jesus, Satan continues this. Jesus was tempted in every way. He was in the desert for 40 days, alone, desperate, starving. And Satan sees an opportunity and he attacks. And NT Wright says that the first two temptation plays on the very strength that Jesus has just received. You are my son, my beloved. In just a few chapters earlier, God had come out and he said, This is my son whom I well pleased. Jesus was baptized. He started his public ministry. Very well whispers the demonic voice. If you really are God's son, surely he can't want you to be hungry when you have the power to get food for yourself. Surely you want people to see who you are. Why not do something really spectacular? Why not not follow God's plan? Why not do it right now? And then, dropping all apparent logic in the third temptation, The enemy comes out boldly and just says, just forget your heavenly father. Just worship me. I'll give you power now. I'll give you relief now. Like no one else has ever had. If God is good, then do you view God's goodness as a transaction? Is God's goodness based on your circumstance? based on what's happening in the world? Are you frequent to question God's goodness when there's evil in the world? We're constantly at war with the temptation to define God's goodness in earthly terms or with a human equation. So what is the alternative? There has to be an alternative, right? I believe that it's found in God's goodness comes first, and therefore, it is transformational. God's goodness is a part of his character. It's a part of his nature. It's not based on me. Grace isn't based on me. Goodness isn't based on me. It is based on him and who he is. And because of that, it becomes transformational. And I don't think there is a better example in Scripture of how God's goodness is played out than through Jesus Christ himself. Jesus Christ was fully human and fully divine. But because he was fully human, he can completely identify with our temptations, with our suffering, with our confusion and our pain, Because when the weight of the world was upon his shoulders, he asked for another way. He asked for a different path. And then, as he was hanging on the cross, he said, where did you go? I can't hear you anymore. Where are you? But he kept going. He kept walking forward to the tomb and then to heaven. The cross of Jesus Christ is our pathway to transformation, to breaking the chains of transaction. Why on earth would a mean God or an absent God or a vindictive or malicious God ever walk through so much pain to save us? I don't think he would do it. And if we believe in the cross, we believe in the resurrection and what we celebrated two weeks ago, then we have to believe in the goodness of God. And I know that it doesn't make our circumstances always easier. It doesn't make the confusion go away, but because Jesus was in it with us, we can believe In his goodness. Tim Keller says because Jesus went into the ultimate life furnace, the ultimate horrible circumstance, you can be assured that he is with you in your personal furnace. He wouldn't have done that for you if he wasn't going to be in it with you. That truth has the power to transform us. It has the power to sit in the pain, in the darkness, in the questioning, in the confusion with us. Because faith isn't based on our feelings. Faith means taking steps forward to believe, to live out, to trust in the goodness of God, sometimes in spite of our feelings. the question that I so often have to ask myself is that if I never get what I want, if desires that I have go unmet, or as I look back to the life that my family had in those, those 10 years, if we hadn't had received healing, because we did, God moved in, in powerful ways in the midst of that decade-long process, But if that had never come, would I still be willing to trust him? And would I still believe in his goodness? I got a call um, a few months ago, I think, um, from one of my family members telling me that another one of my family members was diagnosed with ovarian cancer. And this family member um, who was diagnosed with cancer is um, in her mid 20s, and she's not married. And a few months earlier, I had found out that another friend of mine, who's closer to my age, um, who's not married, also was going to have, to have a hysterectomy. And I remember calling my best friend on the phone. And before she even said hello, I knew she had picked up, and I said, I'm telling you, I would leave him. I promise you, if something like this happened to me, I'd probably walk away from God. I hadn't even told her what was wrong. (laughs) But on the other end of the phone, she said, no, you won't, Carrie, but let's talk about this. And then, when you get off the phone with me, I want you to go talk about this with God because you won't walk away from him. But that was just two months ago where I sat there and I said, I think this would be my breaking point, Lord. I don't know if I could trust you if this were happening to me. And so I wonder what it is for you, for us. Where is it that maybe you would get to the the breaking point and say, no more. I can't go anymore. And then are you willing to take a look at your response, and ask yourself if you're viewing God's goodness as a transaction or as transformation. It's not always easy. And it doesn't mean that the questions go away. It means that in the questions, within what we're going through, We have the opportunity to be transformed by the love of a God and the grace of a God who would go to a cross for us. He's in it with us and his goodness comes first. Believing in God's goodness in the midst of the pain, in the midst of the suffering, is about trust. Trusting and saying I will be in this with you. I won't walk away from you, God, because I know that your goodness is still present because your goodness is based on your character. It's not based on my circumstance. And I will trust who you say you are. How are you able to connect with Jesus in that way? Are you able to connect with Jesus in that way? Are you willing to step out in faith and say, yes, I believe in the goodness of God. I believe that God really is good, no matter my circumstances. Let's pray. God, you are good but sometimes that is really hard for us to say. We doubt, and we walk through things that push us so far we don't think we could get back. God, help us to see you. Help us to know that you are good. To believe that your goodness is transformational and that it can transform us even if the questions and the suffering and the pain still linger. Help us to believe in who you are. Help us to follow you with trust that is unending. In your name we pray, amen.